this is a creative world. We are all in it together. We are not competitors. We are in it together to support designers. We're competitors for our women, but we're not competitors to support designers. They need us and we need them. Welcome to If Jewels Could Talk. I'm Carol Walton, the voice of jewellery, an author, broadcaster, and the woman who initiated the role of jewellery editor at magazines like Tatler and British Vogue. This is a podcast for everyone, for people who do like jewellery, for people who don't realise they like jewellery, and anyone intrigued by fascinating facts, new ideas, and forgotten histories. So please join me as I tell sparkly tales, meeting all sorts of people, delving into four centuries of jewellery culture, and investigate what's happening now. My guest today is one of the most influential women working in fashion. Elizabeth Saltzman's had a long career as a senior fashion editor for Vogue and Vanity Fair. She styled shows for Tom Ford, Michael Kors and Prada, amongst others. W Magazine calls her fashion's fairy godmother. The Guardian call her the great fashion guru. And she's consistently listed in the top people shaping the fashion industry by the business of fashion. She is a celebrity superstylist. She's known for her unexpected choices and stable of the best young actresses of our generation. Dressing women like Gwyneth Paltrow, Jodie Comer, Shirsa Ronan and Uma Thurman. And when it comes to the red carpet, nobody knows more or is more successful. I'm here in Holland Park in London with Elizabeth Saltzman in her apartment, which is knee-high in suitcases. She's just come in from a trip from LA and New York. Thank you so much for finding time for us, Elizabeth. Are you kidding? Thank you so much, Carol. We've known each other forever. Welcome to my world. I couldn't clean up for you because I really like people to see how it really is. Um, I wouldn't clean up for you is what I'd really like to say. Not couldn't. I could always. But um, I think it's important for people to see the real world versus fantasy, because fantasy is for the red carpet and for our magazines. So it's interesting you're talking about how it used to be almost a dictatorship in dressing women for the red carpet, because I guess in the studio system days, it was Edith Head. Of course. And she'd say, get in that, and you're wearing that, and you get up on the Academy Awards stage, whether you like it or not. Well, I think it's, look, neither one of us were there. um, And hopefully it wasn't as rude as that. I think what it really probably was, was that was the way it was. Mm -hmm. And no one knew a different way. And also costume designers are so much better at this than any stylist will ever be because they know how fabrics can move and how you can sit and walk and dance and turn upside down and trip on a stair and still not show your knickers or anything like that. Because in films, if you watch old Fred Astaire movies or any any movement movies, you never, ever see a flaw. I look for them. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder, how are they doing that? And then I think about a red carpet and I think about our tricks, but they are tricks. It's not that they're made in the dress. So what are the tricks? I mean, there are all sorts of things that are sewn in or taped what, to, to... weight the hem or... Or just to make sure that a woman feels confident and that a breast isn't going to pop out and say hello or that when you sit and something's very, very tight, it's not going to wrinkle or the seams aren't going to bust or that when we're sewing you in... You can get out. I mean, everyone knows the very funny story of Jane Fonda who could not get out of her dress recently. So she slept in her dress and did a video the next day of her, you know, going, this is me without hair and makeup. I couldn't get out of the dress. (laughs) So, you know, you have to think about not everybody has a doorman who could help. Not everybody has a husband or a wife or a, a girlfriend, boyfriend or a dog who's trained well enough to get you out of a dress. And so you have to, there are tricks, but you have to think about, you know, I often go to the Met Ball with a sewing kit, some tape, some nipple covers, (laughs) some, some small scissors, a seam ripper, just in case, even though I'm a guest, 
I just know something's going to happen. So you have a pretty big bag. No, 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 it's a little bag. We know how to do this. We've got it down after 30 whatever years. You know what you're doing and what to bring. And you know how to be someone's savior. And I never want to see a woman taking off her shoes at a party, walking barefoot at the Met or at an Oscar party. Um, So I always have like little squishy soles or foot spray or cooling gel or something. But there's a lot of tricks in our trade. And same goes with heavy earrings. Mm -hmm. I mean, boy, I bet you've seen your share of heavy earrings. Well, I wanted to ask you that about how how much comfort is a part of style. 100%. I think that if someone... Comfort and confidence are probably the two most important things because you're already taking someone out of their comfort zone unless they are a performer. A musical performer is different because they are used to stage performances all the time in crazy costumes. But um, if you're a, you know, a thespian, that's not your norm. Um, and comfort is key because it's a very long day. People think it's so glamorous and so fun, but if a carpet's at five, you're getting, you're starting at 2 p.m., hopefully you've had lunch because you won't be getting dinner till about 11 p.m. And I guess it's a whole 12-hour span. Oh, no, it really is. It properly is. I always have a change of shoes for everybody in the car, and usually it's something not glamorous, but it's a big wedgie, flip-flop or something, you know, just a height that matches the height of their heels so that they can change. There were quite a few trainers at the Oscars this year. Well, that's fair (laughs) enough this year. This year, anything goes. And you know what? Why not? Why not? How chic were those Hermes trainers? And how cool did she look? And I think also, I think if women are happy like that, go ahead, go for it. It's not my place to say don't. It's just I'm a little bit old school in the sense that I think young, but I like style. I like class. I like elegance. I love dressing up. Um, I don't know why I didn't like Barbies when I was younger, because I guess they were too perfect and it wasn't that exciting, although I'm dying to see Margot as Barbie. But um I really enjoy creating on other women. I can't do it for myself, so it's really fun to do it for them. That's so weird that you can't do it for yourself. So you can only do it, you can't look at yourself in the same way. No, no. <laughs> well, maybe I it's don't just like that, myself in the same way. Maybe you just don't like dressing up yourself. No, I love dressing you up. <laughs> poor, poor Melissa, who's sitting next to me here, has been witness to like, I'll do anything to dress up. I actually think it's really great fun. I actually prefer evening clothes to day clothes. I don't like pajama wear. You know, um, if I didn't get up at five this morning, I wouldn't be wearing a cashmere sweatshirt thingy ever. I don't, I just don't like that. I like dressing up. It's just, I couldn't, I don't like having stuff. So I'm somewhat of a minimalist with clothing. I have one rail of clothing. No one believes me. I wear a uniform and my jewelry is what shifts it and changes it. And people all the time say, I love your dress. And I'm like, that's so interesting. I've worn the same dress for 12 years. What you really like is my jewelry, but you're just not understanding that I've done something different. So you you keep thinking. That's why I say invest in, you know, buy better, but buy less. And, and buy things, I, I mean, I, it's, I preach it to everybody. You don't need that. You don't need that. But you do need this and get it. So what are the jewels that you use to transform your look? For me, mm. it's what I actually own. I, I try not to ever borrow jewelry because I don't own it and therefore it's false advertisement. <laughs> and I really enjoy buying jewelry. Um, I love jewelry. So I, I have a fair amount of David Webb and Fedora pieces because I grew up in New York City and those were important. And I probably have a, a ridiculous collection of Tiffany bracelets um, because that was the gift from when I hit double digits every year, I was received one from my family or my aunties and uncles. And 
Um, and they were just silver bracelets, just thin little bracelets, but they became an arm. But for me, it's really old school Tiffany from Elsa Peretti, of course, my favorite. Schlumberger, my second favorite. You know, um, Paloma Picasso. I love those collaborations. I thought they were really cool and they were pre-collaborations. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tiffany had the foresight to do that with those cool people. Amazing, isn't mm. it? It and is amazing. Elsa Peretti, I think, is still a bestseller. I mean, it's just I love incredible. it. I just used it at the BAFTAs with Jodie Comer. I used the claw, one of my favorite necklaces. Really, one of my all-time favorite necklaces that I've never used before. So and it still looks modern. Oh, it was... She actually looked thoroughly modern. And that was the idea. To, and she was comfortable. And, and the mm. whole idea was comfort. She was in a Gabriella Hurst racer back blue satin top and, and matching, you know, trousers, Roger Vivier shoes, and just the claw. <laughs> and it was so cool. Um, and it was, you know, I've been paying a tribute to Elsa, obviously, since she passed away. But um, even for her 50th anniversary, I just thought, oh, this is important. It's quite common, isn't it, for people in fashion to have a bit of a uniform? I think it's ease um, because we don't have the time. We are, or we didn't have the time. Uh, also, I'm not looking to be the center of attention. And I'm fairly secure enough that I like to support designers. And the way I think I can best support designers is by purchasing their clothes, not at a sale, not at a whatever, but actually because I genuinely like them for my clients or for myself. But I try and really find designers that I'd like to support by dressing people in it or purchasing the clothes. Mm. And uh, a uniform just makes sense because we're on the road. I'm not gonna, I've figured out that 10 pieces can be 300 looks if you do it well. You know, and there's always a way to change things up. One of the things I love about my Vadora bracelets is that not only are they bracelets, but they can be on each arm. I mean, I have a few of them, so it works. They can be a necklace. They can be a belt. (laughs) They can be all sorts of things if you link them together. And that's modern in itself to have convertible jewelry. Mm -hmm. So I find that the same with clothing. You know, if you take a suit you know, and it's a three-piece suit. You have a, you know, a vest and a trouser look. You've got a jacket and a trouser look. You've got just a trouser look. You've got just a vest look, just a jacket. You know, there's so many things you can do. So why would you need more rather buy better and something that is going to last for decades, hopefully? And also, I mean, if there's one thing we've learned through all of this, I would hope that it's, we don't need a lot. We, we need less stuff and um, we need to think about the environment. So I always see you in yellow gold jewellery. Yes, always. Always. And do you like coloured stones at all or diamonds? I, I love yellow gold. Um, I think it works with my skin tone. Um, but um, I love coloured stones. I mean, give me an emerald and I will do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> Um, emeralds are my favorite as well as ridiculous things like pink diamonds. And I even like brown diamonds. I love brown diamonds. I also like pure diamonds. I think they're very elegant and very beautiful, but I tend to think, how do you tell that it's different than anybody else's? Or how do you tell if it's man-made or not? And how do you tell, you know, only you know, blah, blah, blah. But for me, it's when I see it from a jar or someone, it's really exciting because it's set in such a different way or an Elian Fatal or, you know, any of the friends who do jewels. But um, I tend to like an emerald for me personally. And then, of course, anything pink. <laughs> I have a problem with pink. I I think it's that I'm so masculine that I just am desperate to be feminine. So <laughs> pink, <laughs> pink works. Um, but yeah, green, green would be my favorite. And so going back to the comfort issue mm. and talking about 
heavy earrings. Mm. I want to know at what point jewellery comes into your styling process and then how you do it. It really depends. I wish I could say there was a formula that I got the dress first, then the shoes, then the jewellery, which would make the most sense. But a lot of times I fall in love with a piece of jewellery and think this is my starting point. How do I work with it? I'm desperate to use it. Or or, or sometimes it's, um, you know, a, a mishmash and it just, the clash comes together so beautifully that it makes so much sense. You see something and you have a dress and you just kind of go, that's it. It's a mashup. But, but the real way it does normally work, if there is a normal in our industry, is... The dress comes first, the idea of beauty, you kind of have an idea in your head of what you want the woman to look like. And um, then you know where you're going with jewelry. You know, for me recently with uh, Julia Garner, I had the dress, which I hadn't seen, but had a sketch of the dress. And I just thought it looked so cool and effortless and what would make her look so cool and effortless at home in Atlanta while she's filming, (laughs) Um, doing a Zoom red carpet and uh, what would make it fun. And I really wanted these earrings that were just big and massive and just so fun because she was sitting down in a chair and and it didn't work. And I I knew it the second I walked into the room, it wasn't going to work. And so my backup plan were these two Vedora cuffs that were big and fantastic and she could use her hands and they would just be in every shot. And and, uh, they really were the icing on the cake. I find that sometimes it's standout jewelry. It just makes, it is the cherry on top, the icing on the cake. It's all of it, but it actually is, everything has to work together because you can't just have fabulous jewelry and have terrible hair, makeup, and clothing. You can't because it gets lost and you have to really think about the person and can she move and will she feel comfortable in a million plus dollars? I mean, that's a big question, isn't Mm -hmm. it? Because actually, if you're not used to wearing big pieces of fine jewelry, how are you going to move naturally and feel very comfortable in it? Especially if it's fragile. Hmm. You know, I mean, we had... One time at the Met, I had Uma Thurman wearing a dress, but we had this incredible brooch from Cartier, and it had never been seen. It's been in a museum, and we, big, big brooch, and just elegant and beautiful and and expensive and maybe priceless, and who knows? And And I just thought, is this a smart thing to do? is does this make sense because we're not used to wearing brooches in the way that people were and there's a lot of hugging and you know clashing and and arms everywhere and maybe arms with jewelry and maybe it would get stuck or hair or you had to think in a different way and certainly I rarely put emeralds out there because I'm very afraid of them dropping and they are fragile. They're very fragile. And I don't, I've had that happen before too, where we had Gwyneth Paltrow was going to a premiere and I had these ginormous emerald beads, two rows, the best necklace. I wish I could remember who it was because I just, I've thought about it all the time. I just would faint if I got it in my hands again, put it on her and the strand broke. And as much as there's knots in between, one fell down. And I just, that millisecond that it took to drop to the floor, I felt like I'd watched a movie. I'd seen me go to jail. I'd seen, (laughs) I saw me passing out. I saw it shattering. I saw everything. And it ended up being fine because it was on a carpet, you know, and it was completely fine that it happened. But we couldn't, you know, we didn't, I didn't know what to do. And I literally snipped off the other side of the necklace. So she just wore the one strand. Um, But it was scary. Mm. It's a scary moment. And also for them, it's a lot of pressure to find yourself wearing a couple of million dollars worth of jewelry sometimes. Maybe it's just 
something that's $20,000, that's still out of their ballpark. And, and it's not theirs and they're aware of it. And so I just say, enjoy it. Mm. Treat it like it's your own. And I always say, if you had a grandmother that you love, treat it like it's hers and she gave it to you and you're never going to see her again. So it becomes part of them, yes. part of their costume, yeah. and they walk with confidence. It, absolutely. And I think it's it's how you speak with someone. You don't go, oh my gosh, be careful. Now don't. No, you never say that. What you say is, enjoy yourself. You look spectacular. Please don't worry about a thing. We've got you covered. I've got insurance. Enjoy. Because it's a one in a once in a lifetime opportunity to handle, see, wear something like that. For instance, like the Cartier brooch. Yes, and it's really fun. And Cartier was waiting for the right moment as Mm. well. You know, and that's what's exciting is when the world connects and things are great or something happens to be in town when you Mm. happen to be in town or there's not a jewelry show Mm. going on at the same time as an award show, which is always the bane of, you know, we get to see something and then we never get our hands on it. That makes me crazy, but of course it goes to, you know, sales are number one, red carpet's number two. And I respect that, but I hate it when I've seen it and then I can't have it. It makes me seethe. Can you remember, Elizabeth, a piece of jewellery that struck you so much that you've actually created a look around it? Absolutely. I remember, I mean, this is a while ago, but it's the most disappointed I've been not to use a piece of jewelry that I fell for by this designer, Anna Hu. And she just made this necklace. It's vivid in my head. It just went, it was a waterfall, a cascade all the way down the rib cage, all the way through the breastplate. It was just the most beautiful piece of jewelry. And I never got a moment to use it. And I'd put it, made a dress around it and everything for Gwyneth Paltrow because Gwyneth wore Anna Hu to, with the white Tom Ford for the Oscars. And it was just so fun and so cool and so different for me because it wasn't what we were used to. It wasn't Harry Winston. It wasn't Tiffany. It, it wasn't Van Cleef. You know, it was Anna Hu, uh, not W H O, you know, <laughs> and and people really stopped and asked me where I, how I'd, whatever, and it was thanks to her PR, you know, who is fabulous, who just contacted me, and it was just, just terribly sad not to. It's not too late. Maybe if Anna hasn't sold it, maybe we'll see <laughs> I it on am the red sure carpet. It's in a museum. <laughs> it belongs in a museum, but that would be great. It's never too late, by the way. You're right. It's never too late to support and use the things that you've dreamt of and there's always going to be a place and a time I saw you once um at Glen Spiros in New York Mm. when you were choosing I think for the Met Gala yes and you chose some big citrine and fire opal earrings which were spectacular Mm. and then I saw on the red carpet you put her in a pale yellow was that that must have been around the earrings no No? actually that worked simultaneously because I knew that it was pale yellow but I wanted something different and I had gone around to all the jewelers and I love going to places that have old jewelry because I find it exciting in a way because maybe I haven't seen it before or it's not available to everybody else or whatever. And, and Glenn is new jewelry. And that was a really good instance of wanting to support a friend and also at the same time believing that it was really cool and unique and different and also something that Gwyneth would wear. She is an, a jewelry advocate. She loves fine jewelry um, and has a really incredible collection of it, which no one ever gets to see, but she's, she's um, well-versed in it. Why wouldn't she wear her own jewelry on the red carpet? I think for opportunity to wear, sometimes she does. Something different. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think there's, you know, some, that's the fun of the red mm-hmm. carpet. She mm-hmm. doesn't have to wear her own. But a lot of times I incorporate special pieces of her own that have been custom made for her. I um, mean, she wears her own jewelry all the time, all those gold chains. She has bought all of those, mm-hmm. you know, um, from Robson Pelham, from Cheryl Lowe, um, from Cartier, from, I mean, she really has a great collection. And also she's a wonderful 
smart person who understands that with a little nothing, you can put on a big something and it just changes the whole look. You can, you can practically wear a tank top if you have the right jewelry, you know, Angelica Houston does that beautifully, you know, or did that beautifully in, in times. But, um, I think, um, jewelry can dress up anything. How much do, um, your girls, as we call them, ask about sustainability now and want to know where something's come from and how it was made, sourced. I think what they really want to know is that I've done my homework. I think that, um, you know, they understand what I care about and, and they care about it too because most of them are quite young. And definitely the younger they go, the more they care. They, I've never seen a plastic bottle in someone's house. I've never seen, um, there's no waste. There's recycling in a whole different way. There's no plastic hangers. You know, it's quite interesting. Um, so I think they care. I think that they trust that I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bring them a blood diamond. Um, but you know, again, I don't always know. I trust in the jewelers to tell me the truth. You know, you can't, not everything is fully traceable. And that's, that's a place that I have to get to in my head to make sure that I try and use fully traceable Mm -hmm. because um, old pieces certainly are not fully traceable. But they're sustainable in the way you're using something that... Sure. But I can't say where they've come from and you never know what's going to come out. I mean, look at the change we've had in the past 16 months. I mean, things that were never wrong to say or to do or to whatever are very wrong to say and to do. And thank goodness that this has all come out. But I mean, in the same way that we're going to discover much... I mean, look, people love to expose things now. And that's great because there won't be youth diving for stones and uh, there won't be factory workers in unbearable conditions for clothing and shoes and makeup making. Makeup manufacturing is a very tough one. You know, I try and use circular brands. I try and use vintage when I can. Actually, last night on Emily Lynn, the gossip girl, um, it was really fun because we have an alternative look that will run in something maybe a bit bigger than the premiere, which is someone's suit from the early 1970s and uh and it fit her perfect and it's a male and she's a tiny petite little girl and it's a male suit and it fit her flawlessly it's as though they embody the same shape it's hysterical so we'll use that another place the award season must be so full-on because if somebody's been nominated for and you've got so many it's 28 looks 28 looks for a season for each girl, mm-hmm. which is huge. It's huge. I mean, if it's if they're really on the Oscar path, it's 28 looks usually. That's about what it is. It can be from 15 to 50, but it's. I think what I figured out was it's roughly 28 looks. And do you then have a favorite look out of those 28? How do you decide what to allocate? Golden Globes, SAG Awards. Do you save the best for the Oscars? Um, sometimes I like to start with the bang. Okay. Um, just to get, because people are still voting. So you have to remember that's quite tactical. You're well, you have to remember (laughs) that you're part of the conversation. They're part of the conversation. So you're thinking about where you're feeding your information. You're thinking about where this is going. You're thinking about box office. If the movie's, well, when movies were back in cinema, I guess they are now, but you're thinking about all sorts of things, not just, hey, chuck this on, you know, all at the same time while making them think, hey, chuck this on. She just whips something up or she just has it. They don't see the planning. Actually, Melissa and me and my team, we sort of make a map of, we make a plan. It's an actual, it's no different. Because I was so well-trained at a magazine, you understand what's for what month and, and what's for the front of book and what's for the back of book and what's the cover and what's the big well story. And 
we sort of work these same, I work the same way. Um, it doesn't mean that things work out perfectly. It doesn't mean that things don't get flip-flopped or the weather hasn't changed. And suddenly it's 106 degrees in America when it's normally 69 degrees and you have to think differently. Or it's pouring rain at the BAFTAs and therefore your dress can't be a color at the bottom because the rain will soak up and the water will soak up and you will have a disaster and the designer won't be happy and they'll get bad press. And so there's a lot to think about um, at different times and you just have to be nimble and willing to change and be flexible and never let anyone else see you stress, um, hide it well, go in the closet and eat a cake. <laughs> and I mean. guess it's hard to, some of the new collections, you're, you're, you're all vying really as stylists to get particular looks. Sure, but I mean, there's plenty of designers out there. There's, there's plenty of jewelers, plenty of shoe designers, plenty of talent out there to support. There's always something to support. And sometimes someone might not love what you had planned. And sometimes a publicist might put the kibosh on it. Or sometimes someone becomes the face of a brand halfway through and your whole plan has changed. But what I really won't ever do is waste money and time, other people's time. I'm very conscious of, I believe there's enough clothes out there that we don't need to make for something. I think we can find existing clothing. It doesn't mean we don't alter it and work with it or embellish it more or come up with a way to work with it. Um, but only if a house is interested in custom making, that's their choice. I try not to custom make because I want the brands to be able to sell clothing. You know, I want it to, if you think about Gwyneth Paltrow's, probably one of her most famous looks is the white cape Tom Ford dress. One of my favorites. With the Anna who cuff. Yes. I think it still sells today. Really? I mean, it's, that was so, so long ago. And people are still making knockoffs of it or doing it. But what I loved about that is it was readily available in stores, in red, immediately and then in white or whatever people wanted but I loved the fact that it could bring sales to a brand I think that's exciting same with jewelry same with shoes same with a handbag I rarely see a handbag on my carpet because I think that makes women look and you've got it all covered it's in your <laughs> bag they don't it's need usually one in my bag but I'm not going to the award shows with them but they usually have an agent and they don't need anything. All they need is their, you know, lipstick, their face powder and um, their room key uh, and the cell phone, perhaps. On magazines, when we do big shoots, we call in so much stuff and we often do make um, choices on the day. Do you, for instance, styling that particular look, do you call in a whole load of cuffs? Yeah. And then choose, you just pick one. I try and I am not a hoarder. I am an absolute editor. And um, I really work hard to have less than four or five choices max. Um, because we've done a fitting. And once you've done the real fitting and taken pictures, you sort of know where you're going. Sometimes if I'm lucky enough, I even bring the jewelry to the fitting um, because then I can really edit it down because that's no hair and makeup. And with hair and makeup, things radically change and colors change. If you decide to do a wonderful palette, you know, on the eye, that can really change. If you have a colored stone going, it might be too hard. So as an editor, I absolutely edit before. I think too much choice is too hard to choose. And then you always go to bed going, oh, I should have done this. Or I didn't even try that. And, you know, it, may, it, it keeps me up. It keeps me up the night before and it keeps me up the night after. <laughs> night of. <laughs> so a lot of people listening will want to know how you got to this place, Elizabeth. You started at Armani, was it? I started as a sales girl and people should know that if you want something bad enough, you have to work no matter if you have to balance three jobs 
um, you, or if you have to go live with 10 people in a crummy apartment or flat in this country, <laughs> um, just do it. If you have a passion, not a passion, I think a passion project's very different than a, a job, but I started at a store, a cool store called Parachute. Then I went to a cool nightclub called Area. Then I went to Armani, where I worked in the basement. Then I went to Milan to design Emporio. Then I came back to do publicity, which is not for me. Then I went to American Vogue as an assistant. Then I became an editor. Then I went to Vanity Fair as an editor. And then it was Valentino and Giancarlo Giametti who said, your friend, our friend, Gwyneth needs a new stylist. Why don't you do it? You both live in London. You both are our friends and try it. I just thought a stylist. I could never do what those people do. They, they, they're nuts. They're way, like they're so creative. They're so different. They're, they come up with costumes. I don't do costumes. I'm, I'm a realist. I like real clothes. I like fantasy, but it still has to be elegant or I'm stuck in some bubble where, okay, maybe people aren't wearing hard hats with heels, but you know, there's moments when I can see funny things for photographs or roller skates like me forever, you know, but we tried it and it worked and it was really fun. And it was a different type of panic. And I loved the energy. I, loved the lunacy of it all. I loved the drama, the scouring, finding, looking. And again, as you and I discussed privately, the freedom to create without anyone except for your client's thoughts on your head. And what she desired, what she wanted, what was, what was she going through? How did you need to build her up? And I loved the freedom to create. So that's how it started. And it was so scary because I didn't have a kit. I didn't have 500 different types of bras. I didn't even know there were 500 different types <laughs> of bras. I didn't even know what toupee tape was used for. I thought it was only used for toupees. Who knew that it held down a belt or a or a shoelace or a jacket to a breast or who knew? <laughs> and who knew there were ring sizers? And who knew about so much? And I couldn't ask anybody. So, But do you think your um, being a fashion director for all those years was leading to this? Do you think you could have done it without those years? I think you can, you could have done it but I would have had to have done something else that helped women or worked with women. Or I mean, look, if I, if I was to be really honest, my first job was as a child, I would organize my mother's wardrobe all the time. Which was a big job because <laughs> she was a fashion director of Saks. Yes. Yeah, so, but it was so fun because talk about a woman who had fabulous accessories my favorite thing was to organize her accessory drawers and, and to really line things up and make it so that it made sense. Well, made sense to a seven-year-old that you would be reaching for earrings all in one place and they should all be color-coded. And I didn't know there was a name for this. Well, <laughs> obsessive. Uh, OCD. Um, but I, I loved it. And, and it was really fun and exciting. So yeah, you could, I think a stylist was not something I saw myself as doing as much as just being a mama to a lot of girlfriends. And um, maybe I'm a stage mama, um, but it was, it was much more scary to me than being a fashion director, an editor. Because um, it was you, just you. Because there was... It was just me, but it was also because I really couldn't disappoint the talent. And it was making sure that they felt their very best and that they weren't staying up at night worrying about anything, that they knew that if they were coming into my hands, that they felt well taken care of and that they'd come out with feeling better than they'd hoped. 
you know, that's what you want, right? Without plastic surgery. That's what you really want, you know, is to feel the confidence in your own skin from within. And if you can do that by putting things on the outside, amazing. But if you're someone that can convince others to do it from within as well, it's really exciting. I just wondered what you've thought about magazines now and the the future for magazines in the fashion world. So I'm one of the rare birds that believes that some magazines will absolutely thrive as long as there's a fantastic digital component to them. I crave images and I need them to be inspired. I think that Edward, Ed, what Edward Enninful is doing, I will champion him for always. I always have. So it's not, I'm not new to this ship. Um, I think he will tell you that I gave him his first job in America. Which Did is, you? Yep. Well, on what? On... I had him on Vanity Fair. He styled the cover of Vanity Fair with mm-hmm. Gwyneth Paltrow. Quite possibly my favorite cover that she's done to this day besides the Wall Street Journal with George Cortina. But my favorite, um, really my favorite things, but I think what Edward's doing makes me want to be a part of fashion magazines. And there are quite a few others as well, but that's the one that's the biggest. Mm -hmm. And not being dictated to by the advertisers. And I love him for that. And I love how fresh it all feels. And I love the fact that you can have Malala on one cover, Billie Eilish on one cover, but they're both saying the same thing. They're women coming of age, finding themselves and how different they are. But it's really important for the youth to see that. And he loves jewellery. Yes. We love Edward because he loves jewellery. And actually very early on when he came to British Vogue and I was um, calling in some things for one of his shoots and... um, I was trying to do an edit for him and the message came back, Carol, why can't I have it all? (laughs) He just wanted all the jewelry. Great. (laughs) But I think that that's important because also if you look at Edward, if you look at Carlene Cerf, if you look at so many of these brilliant stylists, more is great. It's just showing you that you can wear more But it's also saying you don't have to. It's just an option. And as I keep saying, more isn't always better. But it's just fun in a magazine to see it and have it happen. And And be glamorous. And be glamorous and elegant. I I like elegance. I really love elegance. And sometimes that could just be a white shirt and a pair of trousers. Done. Hair pulled back. Nothing. But sometimes that can be the most fabulous fabric and yards and yards of it and something crazy on top and more the merrier jewelry, you know, um, you just never know. But I think it's exciting to see it all and try it all because it's doable for all of us to be fresh faced and not hide behind clothing or makeup and, and, and expose our realness now. Um, But fantasy is really important. People need fantasy. It's escapism. We all need it. If you can't travel, what are you going to do? You have to watch films. You have to get your inspiration from somewhere. And maybe those films will be on YouTube. And maybe they'll be on Instagram. Or maybe they'll be on TikTok. They're just mini edited films. But they're important. And and they can inspire a collection. Especially if you can't get to a museum or a ballet or an opera or... In nature, if you can't get to nature, you're kind of screwed. What would be your top three tips to say to anybody listening who wanted to be a stylist? Three top tips. Please know that you're working a 16-hour day, seven days a week. Um, Don't be afraid to try. Get your sleep when you can. Sleep on flights. (laughs) Learn to sleep on a plane. Sleep on anything (laughs) you can sleep on because... This is not a nine to five job and sleep is really important for your wellness, for your mental wellness and your physical wellness. Have a kit that has it something for every single occasion. If you look over there, that's my actual kit. 
um, all of those suitcases. So there's one for bras. There's one for, you know, jewelry mishaps. There's one for shoes. And okay, we're looking at about 10 very large red <laughs> suitcases. <laughs> Thank God for Revova. Um, we love them. But um, we're looking at, uh, but you bring one and we just always put together a kit and, and just know that you need to be prepared and you need to, and, and need to be prepared. So that's another top tip. Be prepared for anything. Be calm when you're prepared for anything. Things don't go right. Dresses rip, shoes break, hose melt. Who knows what's going to happen? Things just go wrong. So what? The public doesn't know that. They don't know what you were planning. So work with it. Go with it. Do not panic. Remain calm. And then probably my third real tip is um, be kind. Be grateful. Say thank you and treat everybody equally. Because it's usually the lowest man on the totem pole who becomes the top man on the totem pole while you remain in your place the entire time. <laughs> um, and how you treat others and at any point, whether they're the top or the underdog, is really important. That's, Be thankful. That's great. Because I think also a lot of young jewelers find it hard when things are called in for red carpet events because they don't know where their piece is going. It might be there for a week. They don't know if it's going to be used. And I think when people are starting off in business, that's really hard, isn't it? It's very hard, but that means that you have to figure out who you do work with and who can trust you and who you see not just in moments of emergency, who you support when you have the time and who you support and how you can support them with your Instagram. And don't be afraid to post other people's work. If you love something or if you love something, a piece of jewelry, post it. If you love someone's look and another stylist has styled it, today I was communicating with a stylist that I don't know, Claire, who just did the cover of British Vogue. Oh, it's with Margot Robbie. Yes. It's amazing. It's amazing. But I just wrote to her and said, bravo, you know, and then I looked at her work on her Instagram and I said, and she doesn't realize that my studio was right in front of when she was doing this shoot in Los Angeles and it was pouring rain, yet it looks like a very sunny shoot in the magazine, but it was pouring rain. And all I could think was these poor fools shooting in the rain. I'm so happy it's not me. And I thought, should I walk out and say, do you need anything? Can I help? But um, they made the shoot look fantastic. And I think it's just don't give up and support everybody. Support just react don't be don't be shy don't don't be afraid to be humble have empathy this is this is a creative world we are all in it together we are not competitors we are in it together to support designers we're competitors for our women but we're not competitors to support designers we need they need us and we need them now, would it be like asking a mother to choose between her children if I say, do you have one, one image in your head that you were particularly proud of? One look. <laughs> you know something? I don't have one. And I get asked that question quite a bit because there were difficult moments when I'm more proud of times of getting someone in a heel or, or something they couldn't wear or feeling confident than I would be of when the masses reacted. Obviously, I like the iconic looks that will go down forever, like the Gwyneth Paltrow white Tom Ford look, because that changed fashion. And I understand that suddenly there were no, you know, we came out with no frills, no feathers, no sequins, no glitter. We came out with a very simple beautifully executed look, you know, when I don't believe there had been many capes on the runway or carpet before, and we're still not done seeing them. So it's kind of cool to know that something changed. I think one of my favorite was Saoirse Ronan for yes. the Oscars a couple of years ago. The pink? Um, when Alessandra Michele had just done the first um, Gucci high jewelry mm -hmm. collection. Uh -huh. And you put the little jeweled bee in her hair and you had the sh waterfall chandeliers and soft pinks and 
she looked incredible. I love that you love mm. that. That was fun. That was I was in Paris, and they said they were opening up a high jewelry, mm. and I was like, "What? Like Gucci's doing high jewelry like that?" And I was kind of excited, and but I was kind of worried because I like certain jewelers, and I walked in and I thought, "Ooh, I want." There was a. I'll never forget it. There was a, a green, whatever color you call that. It's almost like peridot. Isn't yeah, it? it was a peridot. Actually, it was a peridot ring, and I almost bought it for myself. Had I had enough money, or you know, thought I could afford more at that moment, I would have just bought it on sight because it was so beautiful in there. And I thought the way they used color was so fresh. And I love color. I love color, and it's says、actually, the woman who wears black. I never wear black. Oh, do you? Bought navy, navy blue. blue. <laughs> <laughs> the woman who wears navy blue. Okay. No, no.、Uh, no, I'm just joking. I wear black all the time.、Um, no, I love color in stones.、Mm-hmm. I love color in clothing. I actually, funnily enough, publicly people see me in a uniform, but I rarely. I think I only wear color. Loud, loud, loud. Color. I wear green all the time.、Um, as a matter of fact, in 15 minutes, when I run out to this next one, I'll be wearing bright, bright green. So green's your fa- green's my favorite color. Yeah, Sounds、green. like yours as green, well. Emerald, green, white. I like greens. All versions of greens. I like a certain color of pink. It has to have blue in it. It has to be a pale pink. I love white. I love gold. I love navy. And then I love color, like bright color. I love Christopher John Rogers, the designer, because of his use of color. You know, I was just immediately drawn to him. It was almost like I was a fly. Stuck to flypaper. As soon as I saw his first collection, I fainted. <laughs> I, ju- I don't think I've squealed about something for so、really? much. Yeah, I was just happy.、Um, it's why I use Duro all the time because he、mm-hmm. uses color.、Mm-hmm. You know,、um, but color in Prada uses color beautifully too. So does Gucci. Color, color, color. But I thought that Gucci's jewelry was special because I hadn't seen that before, and it. Felt playful but elegant. It felt rich but wearable. New but with a little hint of vintage. Absolutely, Victoriana. It was all、beautiful. of it. That、yeah. was that. It was that balance.、Mm. It just and that's rare、mm. and fun.、Mm. And gosh, don't we need some fun? Like, isn't it fun when we see fun jewelry? Even you and I have talked about the gold hoops. Um, at Pomelado,、oh, because、no. they're the perfect hoop. They are the perfect hoop, and I, it's like Jennifer Fisher does a perfect hoop. Yeah, Pomelado does a perfect hoop. Pomelado's has one of my favorite pieces of jewelry, which they just changed the name for, which drives me insane. But、um, the I, tango, the which tango. we love, the name tango, I and they've changed love it. <laughs> the name tango, and I've actually barked at them, going, "What are you doing?" <laughs>、um, but I really like. That's that's a great that tango is a great collection,、mm. um, very versatile.、Mm. You know, I could put that's some, like your Vajira bracelets. You could wear it in、uh, many different ways. Yeah, and for me, when you travel and you have a backpack with you because you're not going to travel with a Vuitton case, you know, it's what you can put in the backpack because you can't check your jewelry because it'll go walking like my favorite set of Vajira pearls and emeralds. Walking from the suitcase. Oh, yeah, shame. So you take yours in a backpack. Always good tip. All the guards come to the studio with a backpack. Or... Yeah, you have to be very and never wear.、Mm. I never get out of a car when I'm carrying jewelry. I tend to take, try and take like a regular cab.、Um, yeah, I try and make it as less obvious as possible so、mm. that I can walk around with it and not feel like I'm fearing for my、mm. life. So, any young designers you've got your eye on at the moment? You know, I, I am always interested in young designers. Obviously, there's the Anna Corys and who came up with something new and different and fun and unique. And and then you have someone who's even newer, but who's a real goldsmith, like a Nigel O'Reilly, whose piece I used on Sersha because they come from the same place, and I thought it was cool and. And、um, and you know his story is so interesting, but I think there's loads of new, 
And it's just finding ways to support and make sure that you're inclusive with all types of jewelers. And the one thing I try not to do is if someone has a piece that's really theirs and someone else has lifted that design, I try not to. I try and go with the original. That's all. I just try. It doesn't mean I always succeed, but it does mean that I try because I don't always know the the resource. And I, I often find out about it through people screaming at me on Instagram. I get a lot of DMs, you know, oh, about dear. a couple of hundred a day um, that are fantastic because a lot of times it's a jewelry pitch, which is great. That's how I learn about brands that I wouldn't have heard of because I don't read everything or look at everything. But that's another top tip for stylists. Watch every movie old. Get your hands on every fashion magazine and digital stuff and do your homework and do lists and follow them and and keep up to date. Um, Because that's what my team does for me so well. Because I I couldn't do it by myself. It's too much. I can't. I just don't. I don't. There's not enough Mm. hours in the day for me Mm. to do it by myself. Although at times you just have to, you know, do it by yourself. And that's okay too. What should they read apart from British Vogue? Besides British Vogue, I always think, um, I actually think that Elle does a great job with accessories. Um, so if they're looking for that, and I think that some of the young fun magazines, I mean, for me, I always tell the gang to obviously look at uh, Vogue Runway because they really do report on an awful lot. Um, to look at the young magazines to see, you know, what interviews supporting or you know, what, what people are doing, not young, but cooler, hipper magazines um, that can report on things and new people um, and, you know, business of fashion if they can. And, and it's all sorts of things just to go for it and talk to everybody. If you walk into a store, you never know what someone's brilliant at. And that's what I've found. You know, some of my top pieces have come from store clerks that say, hey, I found this designer. Do you know this hat person? Do you know this sock person? Do you know this vintage store? And I would never have heard of it. So I love that. I don't ever want to go by my life saying, I wish I did, or I shoulda, coulda, woulda. I'd really rather say I did it. And I've lived every day for what it's worth to my fullest. It's important. It's very important. Um, And that must be hard in award season because... Every day is so long and so pressured. It's life. It's our life. It's our jobs. I I suppose other people think it's glamorous. They don't understand the work and the stress. And um, I think it's pretty lucky. I think it's damn fun. I would not be doing it if I didn't enjoy it. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for giving us this insight into the red carpet. It's fascinating to know the tips and how you go about your job every day. Thank you for sharing. Are you kidding? Thank you for all those phone calls when I say, Carol, tell me what's, who's the newest or where can I find it or what's happening on that? And what do you think of, uh, I, I call you way too often, but thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes of If Jules Could Talk, please go to our website, carolwalton.com slash podcasts. And if you liked it, please share it any way that you can. You'll find us on Instagram where you can view images of the jewellery we talk about. And please subscribe to the podcast feed on any of the usual platforms where you find your podcasts, where we'd love a rating and a comment. We're going to take a short break for the summer. And we'll be starting again the first week of September. So please join us then for the next Jeweled Nugget. We are the world's first podcast dedicated to jewellery. So spend the summer catching up with the first series if you haven't listened to them all. And don't forget to join us again in September when so much is already booked for our second season, including some major Hollywood stars, And one podcast that's so funny, it's like comedy stand-up with jewellery. So please join us then, first week of September. And in the meantime, we wish you a very happy and sparkly summer.
If Jules Could Talk with Carol Woolton is produced by Natasha Cowan, music and editing by Tim Thornton, graphics by Scott Bentley, illustration by Geordie Labanda, and you can find me on Instagram at Carol Woolton. <laughs>